Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Now God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Realize God placed you as the leader of that church in this specific time. And there is a way for all of your people to grow closer to Jesus and closer to one another. But he's placed you there. He's put his spirit in you. And this is a promise of his. He's not putting the church on hiatus and say, okay, well, wait till this is over. Then you can grow closer to me again. Now you can really be the church. No. God's church is unstoppable, and you can rest in that and lead in that. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and today we're going to delve into the topic of leadership. And in these tumultuous times, it's needed. But also, Gabe, something that people often avoid. The word influencer has gained a lot of notoriety now because that's the word, right? You're an influencer. But leadership has been something people shy away from because with leadership comes some certain demands that I'm not sure everybody wants to sign up for. Leadership requires a, a great deal of discipline. It requires strategy. It requires the ability to compel people towards a vision. It, it takes a lot out of you as a leader, but it also has incredible gifts. If you're one seeing a leadership vacuum, but you're uncertain you're the person God is calling to take up the mantle, or maybe you are in leadership, but this pandemic and other crises this year have pushed you beyond what you think you can handle, I think this show might be the ticket for you. We have two talks on deck, so stay with us. We heard briefly from Francis Chan at the start of the show. Before we get to him, though, let's hear a talk from David Miller, who spoke this past spring at the Q2020 Virtual Summit. Gabe, cue this one up for us. We, we all really are leaders if we're influencing other people. We have the opportunity to influence in positive directions or negative directions. And so as we think about our leadership today, we want to put it through this lens of what David Miller, who's the vice president of coaching at the Slingshot Group, calls improv leadership. Now, in the last few months, if you're leading anything, you've had to do improv leadership. You've been put in a position to where a lot of change happened in your circumstances, and you've had to figure out how to navigate that. How do you navigate that in a healthy way? How do you navigate that with integrity? How do you look at your finances and manage budgets and financials and expenses? And how do you manage cuts? How do you manage hiring? How do you manage growth? How do you pivot and do new things that are innovative, that allow you to serve your customer well without sacrificing your core mission and vision? And so these are the types of things that we as leaders have had to do. And today we're going to hear from a voice who has spent a lot of time around leaders, leaders who lead churches, to organizations, to institutions. And what I love about David Miller is his idea of improv leadership. He has a new book coming out called Improv Leadership, How to Lead Well in Every Moment. And this book and this talk are a perfect combination because they're going to help us better understand what is it that leaders do that, that do well when they have changing circumstances? And what does it mean for us to navigate those well and bring people along with us? So let's listen in now to David Miller on improv leadership. Now, this is a surreal moment for me because Q has become my community over the years. 
This has become a can't-miss event, and I, and I find myself going back to the talks I've heard over and over again. So it's an honor, not only to learn alongside each of you, but to get a chance to contribute a bit of what I've been working on with my team over the years. I am currently in my dream job. I know that not everyone can say that, and so I don't take it lightly. I'm a coach for leaders. Not only do I get to coach leaders, but I get to lead a team of coaches, of which, believe me, I am by far the least impressive. I learn from them every day. It's a dream job. Our team of coaches have galvanized around this single phrase over the last few years. The phrase is this, we help people love their work. When you boil down what drives us as coaches, it is that. But here's the thing. I have come to believe that this idea is far too big to be relegated to a single coaching organization. This should be the driving force of each of us who call ourselves leaders. You see, if we would shift from simply being someone's boss or supervisor or manager to having the mindset of a coach, we could do incredible things. We would inspire people that we have influence with. We would develop them into becoming the the best versions of themselves, not necessarily who we want them to be, but who they are at their core. We will, and I think this is huge, create environments on our teams that, that the best and the brightest couldn't imagine leaving. Think about how this mind shift from, from boss to coach would change the way you lead. With this in mind, I want to share with you the coaching strategy that we use at Slingshot Group. We call it improv leadership. Now, you may be thinking, improv, why improv? Because when most people hear the word improv, they believe that it is synonymous with winging it or, or making things up as you go. But those who know, know that could not be further from the truth. Have you ever seen an improv comedy show? Like really good improv where these talented, highly trained comedians, they put on a show that looks and feels effortless as they take suggestions from the audience and, and play off of one another. Here's the truth. There is, in fact, an enormous amount of effort that has gone into making it feel so effortless. Before they ever hit the stage, they've spent hundreds of hours honing their craft. The team or, or troupe practiced and performed together night after night and developed a rapport and trust for one another. You see, not just anyone can improv. Only the best can stand in front of a crowd of people and draw on their talent, their skill, their training, and contribute something meaningful at a moment's notice. You've likely heard the phrase, the people who make it look the most natural or easiest are actually the most prepared. See, this concept of improv, it got us thinking at Slingshot Group about leaders. Is it possible for a leader to improv their leadership? Now, we found over the years that most leaders, that we do pretty well when our role is clear. When our job descriptions are ironclad, when we've wrapped our minds fully around the tasks at hand and when nothing goes wrong. What about when real life happens? What about when things don't go according to plan? 
And we realize that we're not working with machines, but, but we're working with human beings and they are complicated and messy. We found that in these situations, leaders can default to becoming spectators. Or worse, they can default to becoming critics. You know, it's far too easy to mistake criticism with leadership. We're seeing this today in many leaders. In the midst of a season where the leadership script has been thrown out, and and just weeks ago, our congregations were worshiping together in person. We were leading our organizations and our teams face-to-face in our offices, and now we've become experts in online streaming, and we're engaging with our teams from a distance and learning to perfectly manage the mute button on Zoom so we don't talk over one another. Now more than ever, we are in need of leaders who are not so dependent on the way it was or, or that perfect management tool. What we've done with improv leadership is we've identified five core competencies that a leader can draw on in any moment so that they can lead. The first one is story mining. Story mining is thoughtfully uncovering a person's story and allowing it to shape the way you lead them. It's about getting below the layers of a person's story and knowing who they are. Next is precision praising. To precision praise, you are carefully crafting praise to inspire and and course correct your team. You know, people are motivated by praise over correction. So if we want to lead them well, we need to master this skill. Number three, metaphor cementing. Metaphor cementing is using concrete illustrations or metaphors to strengthen teachable points of view. What would it look like if you walked into your next meeting with the perfect metaphor to help your team better understand what they're trying to accomplish together? Number four, lobbing forward. This is creatively challenging your team to look beyond the day-to-day grinds of their jobs and into the future. We found that most people on our teams are so inundated with the day-to-day that they have forgotten how to dream. It's our job as coaches, as leaders, to stretch their imaginations and help them to envision what could be. Finally, going north. Going north is using indirect influence to redirect a person's thinking or perspective. We all know what it's like to have a difficult conversation ahead of us. And every time we attempt to broach the topic, we run into this wall as we try to motivate this unmotivated team member. It's our job as leaders to get around the wall, to connect with them on a human level. We are in need of leaders today who put in the work, who have honed their craft in such a way that they are ready to contribute to lead in this moment. We're in need of you to be improv leaders. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, and that was David Miller of the Slingshot Group talking about improv leadership. And knowing a couple of guys who do improv theater, I find it interesting that David pulled from that arena to show that there is work that goes into being able to improvise. And it's true in theater. It's also true in leadership. And just this idea, I mean, one of the quotes that I just love from what he said here is that we're in need of leaders today who put in the work, who've honed their craft in such a way that they are ready to contribute, to lead in this moment. And so as I started off this 
podcast, I, I mentioned the word leadership sometimes isn't the name that we want to claim as leaders, but I want to encourage you to claim it because we need leaders who will kind of take up that mantle and say, I'm going to help lead a group of people to this next destination. When you're in a society where there's a lot of questions, when there's uncertainty, when there's a lack of confidence in where this future is going, this is an opportunity for people to lead, but we have to bring people with us. True. Okay, Gabe. We heard at the start of the show another person who has been influencing and leading pastors and Christians globally. His name is Francis Chan, who spoke back at the start of September on a special Q session called Church and State. Tell us about that and Francis's talk. We did this church and state conversation. We had multiple voices participate in it. In fact, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to want to go to Q Media. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe to Q Media because at Q Media, you can actually watch all 10 of these interviews with Andy Stanley, John MacArthur, many other voices that were having some differing opinions on this. But the conversation you're going to hear now is my conversation with Francis Chan, so you can hear his perspective. And I thought he had an important perspective because he was now having left the U.S., in a different land, looking back at the U.S., and it was a good chance to ask him some really big questions about what does it mean for America to rethink what it means to be the church? Let's listen in now. Our next conversation is going to take us around the world to Francis Chan, who's going to join us from Hong Kong. And what I love about Francis is that he's been talking about this moment for so many years. Not many people paid attention or or listened to what he was predicting, but he was essentially predicting we were going to be in a moment where perhaps churches weren't going to be able to meet the way that they used to meet. And I don't think anybody foresaw how that would happen, but now we find ourselves in that circumstance. And so he most recently released a book called Letters to the Church. I read it last year. I remember reading it and the conviction of just understanding what is a biblical church? What should this look like? I had no idea it would prepare us so well for better understanding what that ought to look like today. And so he's joining us now from Hong Kong late at night. And so I want us to welcome Francis Chan. Francis, thank you for being with us. I'm so grateful for your voice and your leadership. I remember being with you and, and we were talking and, and we had assembled a group of leaders here, several pastors in the area, and we were having this conversation just several months before this pandemic hit. And you said to those pastors, you said, look, by the year 2030, maybe you're not dealing with it now, but, but why don't you just plan for a decade from now? There might be a moment where you're challenged as a church to be able to meet. And when you get to that moment, you're going to be in a place where are you really prepared for it? Have you truly prepared your people to know how to make disciples? So I just wonder what encouragement would you have now? You're in Hong Kong. You're kind of watching this thing. You went to Hong Kong right when the pandemic was beginning here, and you went to the place that, that was really the source of it in China. And so tell us a little bit about your encouragement you'd have for pastors who right now are maybe walking through the first time in their ministry life where they're not able to assemble people on a Sunday morning. Well, I think it's a good time to reflect on what are your goals. Um, first of all, like, like the idea as pastors, I, I think, is that we try to help our people love Jesus like at another level and then love one another at this other, you know, just to keep growing in these things. And if that's really the goal, we got to realize God's not going to put us in a situation where that cannot happen. Like we can have amazing times with the Lord. People can really be growing and we can be growing and flourishing as a church. So I, I would encourage you, don't look at this as a waiting period 
realize God placed you as the leader of that church in this specific time. And there is a way for all of your people to grow closer to Jesus and closer to one another. And you just have to figure out, how do I do that? But he's placed you there. He's put his spirit in you. And this is a promise of his. He's not putting the church on hiatus and say, okay, well, wait till this is over. Then you can grow closer to me again. Now you can really be the church. No, God's church is unstoppable and you can rest in that and lead in that. You know, Francis, part of the debate, I think for a lot of pastors is just trying to understand the biblical conviction to assemble, uh, that this is a command, like this is part of what the church does. It starts to assemble together. And so when that's being encroached upon, there's, there's this little battle here of what, what should we pay attention to that? Should we push against that? Should we disobey in your view? How do you view that scripture biblically? And what, what should that scripture mean to pastors? Yeah, well, there's this command there where we're supposed to spur one another up to love and good deeds. That's why we gather. So when we assemble, the idea is that everyone is to use their gifts to build one another up. And so in a lot of these large settings, we don't do that anyways. So this may even be a better opportunity to actually obey that command in smaller gatherings where people are using their gifts to build one another up. Um, the idea of assembly in Scripture is uh, is for the Lord's Supper, where uh, it's like all the parts of the body come together in the presence of Christ, in, in the body and blood of Christ. I mean, it's just this beautiful, amazing time we gather to remember the Lord's Supper, the body and blood of Christ, and we gather to hear the Word of God. Um, but we can do that through Zoom nowadays, and we already have more than enough sermons for the rest of our life. So, so in a lot of ways, it's like we can really take advantage of these gathering times now to actually do what the church was supposed to do, where every member used their gifts to build one another up and use their spiritual gifts for that reason. Yeah, as you, and as you think about churches who are really never could have imagined that type of scenario, now they're in the place where they're needing to equip their people. One of the concerns that always comes up with this dispersed model of church is theological concern. And how do you ensure that the leaders dispersed are now teaching in such a way that maybe perhaps they entrusted just that pastor and teacher to be doing? Uh, and we need a model of disciples and those who know how to do that. But how would you recommend to a pastor to shepherd that process to ensure that theological conviction is something that stays true to them? Because we know the enemy is seeking to destroy, seeking to deceive, seeking to pull people away from the absolute truth of God's word. So how would you instruct a pastor to think about that and to shepherd that? Yeah, I mean, you look at Ephesians 4, that's the point of maturing the body to where they're not just blown and tossed by every wave of doctrine. And so hopefully you've already been doing that and have this big base of leaders uh, who are equipped in that way. But one of the things that we found helpful is like in our gatherings, um, our, our people go through a daily Bible reading where we read through the entire Bible every year. And so now, not only from the top down, do you have the elders raising up the leaders, but from the bottom, you have people, they're all reading the scriptures so they can spot false teaching. It's not just the elders assuring it, it's the people assuring it because they know the word of God. And that's one of the benefits of 
being a part of a gathering where everyone's expected to come having read the Word of God every week and we're fellowshipping over the Word daily, then suddenly when we gather together, it's not like you have one expert and we all just take his word for it. But no, we're all students of the Word as well as uh, the, the pastors have been shepherded by the elders well. Yeah, I think I think that's a good word and encouraging. And, and I think you're right. Some pastors maybe were more prepared for this moment than others, and some found themselves just in this moment. And now they're trying to pivot. They're trying to quickly catch up. They're realizing where they haven't been doing a good job at that. And now they're trying to double down on it. And that can be a really good thing for the church. Uh, but I want to get your perspective. I mean, you're now in Hong Kong. You've traveled the world. You've lived in different parts of the world. You're now living in Asia your experience as you look back, I know, at the West and the American church, specifically in America and this context. And I'm sure you have some thoughts about what's happening here. And it's kind of the hand wringing that's happening over the changes and the ways in which it's forcing us to do things different. But I'm curious about your view on this, because in China, for example, the underground church is well known to be something that flourishes under persecution. But in America, we have a pretty unique setup. We have religious freedom. We have the rights to assemble, to exercise that, to also the freedom of worship. We have all these unique things in America that we've talked about throughout this time together today. Do you, when you look at that, do you see it as pretty unique and like we should fight to protect that religious freedom, that ability to worship? Or do you kind of look at it and say, man, not a big deal. You guys are making such a big deal about something that I'm not sure God cares that much about. Yeah, I I mean, I, I guess part of my answer is, when you look at the places with religious freedom and you compare those churches to the places where there's not religious freedom, what have we done with the freedom? You know, it's just weakened the church. And I'm not saying don't fight for it, especially if that's something God has called you to. I'm grateful for the people who fight for religious freedom. I'm grateful to have it. At the same time, I'm not really afraid of losing it because I look how the church is flourishing and how it actually looks like the church of Scripture, um, where there is the persecution. And again, I'm not saying I'm wanting that or desiring that, but what I am wanting is to see a pure church where people are devoted and they're serious and they understand what it means to really follow Jesus. Then we can really be a light to the world. Yeah, those are good words, Francis. Well, I know for so many of us, you've always been a prophetic voice, somebody who hasn't shied away from trying to express to the church, hey, this is how we should look at this moment, and this is what's coming. And I wonder if you just do that for us now and for all the leaders that are gathered that really are seeking the heart of God and sensing that something new is happening. What are you seeing in the future? What, what's in the season ahead in your view? I love the season we are in, and I think every true believer does, because we, we look at, you know, kind of the status quo and how we're, we're just hoping for a time when we were forced into action. It's, it's almost like you're, you're training, training, training for something, and it, here it is. Are we prepared or not? And it's, it's a time where I kind of look at it like the Israelites when they're in the desert, and there are those who are like, oh, I just want to get back to Egypt, you know, back to the way it was, where I knew what was going to happen tomorrow. And I'm going, man, you're missing out. You're being led by a ball of fire. Never in history has that happened. Never will it happen again. Don't miss this. Right now, look, bread came from heaven. Are you kidding me? Don't miss this. Don't be thinking, oh, I wish we could go back. I wish. I'm like, 
God has not put us in a situation where we can't be deeply, deeply intimate with him and growing with one another. Man, don't miss this. I, I think about parents. I hear a lot of churches, they got to meet together again because of our kids. And I'm going, man, that should wake you up right there. Parents are supposed to be teaching their kids. This is a great opportunity for you dads to step up and believe the spirit of the living God is inside of your body and you can lead that family. And if you're not equipped, then figure it out and and man up. And, And parents, you're supposed to lead your kids. But I feel like We've weakened all these gifted, godly people because we do everything for them. We'll teach your kids. And so now it's just kind of chaotic of what do we do? You know, no one's teaching my kid. It's like, no, take advantage of this time. I really believe this is of God. This is a time where we realized we were not ready for this. So if we get another little break, let's do everything we can to equip and prepare people for times like this, because I really don't believe this is the end of it. And we're going to figure it out. And this is the last pandemic and everything's going to go back to normal. I highly, highly doubt that. Well, I think we all often mention that we would love to live in biblical times. We read scriptures, we perceive what that would have been like. And as you're saying, I mean, we're living in pretty biblical times right now. And to just take hold of that, to have courage, to take strength, to be united, to to create solidarity with other pastors and leaders, and to move forward with a vision for the church that's so authentic and true to the early church. So thank you for your courage, conviction, for leading us. Thanks for being with us today. Well, I hope you enjoyed just hearing Francis's passion. I mean, these last few minutes, my goodness, just he's so incredible and convicting and also inspiring about what really matters. And if you're a pastor or you're a church leader right now listening to this, I know you need some of this in your veins. You need to be encouraged. You need to be inspired. We're in a season right now where I know a lot of the pastors I talk to are tired, are trying to determine how to lead best during such divisive times. And Gabe, speaking of time, we're almost out of it. So remember, these and other talks to encourage you as a leader or someone who just likes to stay curious, consider a subscription to the Q Media platform at qideas.org. And with Christmas here, that also might be a good gift idea for a friend. Thanks again for listening. On behalf of Gabe and the team, have a great week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.